The Morris gravesite is on the right wall of the cemetery. My guess is there will be a few people, perhaps a dozen, that are there doing the same thing. Your flashlight app will come in handy. And Taylor wrote, well, we are at Rusex right now. Cooper wrote, I'm wearing camouflage. Peyton said, Jim, do we have to wear a turtleneck? <laughs> I said, required at the door, preferably tweed jacket also. Peyton then said, hello, dead friends. <laughs> Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Welcome to the Fire Pit with Matt Janella. It was a Thursday afternoon and I was getting a call from Jim Nance. I forced myself to take a second before answering. It felt like high school, purposely pausing so as to not appear desperate or too excited. Jim Nance? I asked. I have something for you, he said. I'm all ears, obviously. The Manning brothers, Eric Church, Taylor Zarzer, and some of their friends have just returned from an ultimate buddies trip to Scotland and Northern Ireland, and apparently it was something special. I wondered if you'd be interested in telling their story. In obviously. Well, 14 interviews and almost eight hours of recordings later, we've assembled a two-part podcast reflecting on and rehashing the best buddies trip that was happening in and around the 150th playing of the Open Championship at St. Andrews. There are course reviews and insider info. A man named Church breaks into a cemetery and gets inspired to write an original song. There are traditional drinks and magnums of wine. A tall boy of tenants was used as a tea. There's a proper lunch, special guests, robes, red socks, and you get the details of a new drinking game that's already sweeping the country. They play a variety of formats in great weather. There was a spirit of competition and a specific spirit that will, as Cooper Manning put it, make you forget your middle name. But one thing was made more clear than the kumal. Nothing was more important than the camaraderie. Before I go any further, I want to thank some of the sponsors of the Fire Pit. We couldn't do this without the support of Link Soul, the lifestyle brand that was started by my friends John Ashworth and Jeff Cunningham. It's all I wear on and off the course. Use promo code FIREPIT25 for 25% off your next purchase at linksoul.com. I'd like to also thank Parpoints, the innovative app that alters the way you can score the game of golf. I especially like it for beginners, family golf, or buddies trips looking for a way to change things up. Download Parpoints now and go make par. And then there's Dormy Workshop, who we've collaborated with on all of our leather goods. Head to the pit shop at firepitcollective.com to see our latest line of co-branded merchandise. All right, in this podcast, you'll hear from Peyton, Eli, and Cooper Manning. Country music star Eric Church is here. There's Taylor Zarzer of Sirius XM, who, by day, was playing golf. In the afternoons in St. Andrews, he was calling the golf. We hear from Nance, Tiger's caddy Joe LaCava, and more. The trip included Marshall Alexander, who works with Eric Church, 
Ben Weprin and Eric Hasberger of AJ Capital, who, along with Cooper Manning and a long list of their friends, bought and transformed the Rusick's Hotel, which overlooks the 18th green of the old course. And they didn't stop at the Rusick's. Cooper Manning explains. We're in the hotel business. Me, a couple members of the trip are all in, in the partners. And uh, we have a college hotel platform called Graduate Hotels. And so we have great, cool hotels in all these great towns from Ann Arbor to Charlottesville to Oxford to Berkeley. Anyway, uh, we have 35 of them going, doing more. And, and we were in the middle of that. Um, we said, look, if we're going to be a college hotel platform, we got to have hotels in two of the greatest college towns of all time, which are Oxford, England and Cambridge. So we wound up meeting a gentleman over there kind of through acquiring them and a guy named Donald McDonald. And he said, look, he kind of liked us and liked the way we did things. And he admitted, he said, look, I've had this hotel kind of in my hip pocket for a long time, personal account, the Rusacks. Y'all would be probably the right group to come in and bring it back. He, he had not put very much money into it and it kind of fallen on hard times. But, and so we were like, let's take a look. You know, and, uh, you know we had no business thoughts or future about going into the golf hotel related business. And so we said, look, these things, wow, this is one of the most iconic assets there is. These things don't ever, you know, they don't trade. We're going to look into it. And then, so we, um, Ben Weprin, who's my, who's the, the boss and, and the visionary here, uh, said, this is, you know, this is unbelievable. And, and we, you know, normally we were a private equity firm. We raised money from bigger institutions and stuff. And we said, let's do this and let's raise this money just by friends and lovers of golf. Meet Ben Weprin, CEO of AJ Capital. The whole idea was, you know, there was an opportunity to sort of, you know, impact and set ourselves apart from anybody else in the space by creating a hospitality experience that matched the uniqueness and history and charm and sophistication of the golf experience. And there was a white space in the market and then to connect it with multiple markets and create the ultimate, you know, guys, girls, trip, journey, venue. Um, you know, our goal as a company is to create, you know, backdrop for life's most meaningful moments. And like we started with, you know, university-based hotels and it's the same idea or thesis and that sort of visceral limbic connection you have in those marketplaces and how your passion and your, you know, nostalgia and your connection to these places, we wanted to create a hospitality experience that matches that. And that's all through history and storytelling and really, you know, creating a mirror that when you, you look at our hotel, it feels like you're looking out into the community, into the market, into, you know, St. Andrews, into, you know, Troon or Royal County Down or, uh, Berwick. It's, it's, it's all an idea to be a reflection of those places, how special and unique they are. And, you know, you mentioned the 50 investors, there's actually more than that. And they're all so critical and important um, part of the journey. I mean, they're all partners. You asked me who owns, they all own it. We all own it. I don't even think we are stewards of the asset. Having stayed at the Rusick's the week of the open, I wish I could say I own it. We're pretty good at taking old dogs and bringing them back to life. And so, anyway, pass the hat. I mean, we got, I don't want to get into who all, but, you know, the Jim Nances of the world and got a couple golfers and just a lot of the West Coast crowd and some, a lot of green jackets and a lot of just, you know, really cool people who love golf, who wanted, thought this would be fun. And the idea was to say, we said, get going. I had more fun. It's fun. Raising money is not 
hard. I mean, it is hard. This was fun because if someone didn't want to do it, no problem because I knew there was a laundry list of guys behind them who wanted to be a part of this. And, you know, I didn't know if we'd have tournaments. I didn't know what we'd do. And, you know, everything got, got delayed with the open. We knew we were on the clock to get it done. There was a parking lot next door. We were going to build more rooms and add this unbelievable rooftop bar, a panoramic view I mean, of, the, of the, you know, the most storied story in golf. And so um, COVID kind of delayed us a little bit. And they pushed back to 150th, and we knew that was a clock. So that, that kind of had been brewing. Boy, it'd be fun to get a big trip around the open and um, – and that's kind of how it got the, the concept got started. The rebuilding and rebranding of the Rusix Hotel, the build-up to the 150th Open, and the birth of a buddy's trip. Back to Weprin. Originally, it wasn't about you know bringing our friends together and going on this journey. It was for me. It was like the hotel, and you know I'd been going over there obviously since we acquired the hotel. You know whether you know this one or Berwick or Troon or Royal County Down, but I'd never played over there. I was saving it for this. As you'll hear in both parts of these podcasts, it was all well worth the wait. You know, it's funny. Peyton, Eli, Peyton was like, or Eli was like, you know, let's see if, let's see if there's really something there what Cooper just got us into. You know, he's like, shit, let's go check it out. So there was a lot of curiosity, but at the same time, the idea of being able to play golf and then watch golf and have the best view in the, in the whole world and then, do it with, you know, we have, you know, the trip was made up of kind of, it was, it, it wasn't, we're all not all just close, close friends. Some are close. Some don't really know each other. Some know of, it was kind of peppered around, but yeah, I think it was kind of a little, I'm curious. And we wound up going to see three of the four assets. we stayed at Bruce Axe, we stayed at North Barrick and we stayed at the sleeve Donner to Brook. Yeah, we didn't get to Troon this time, but um, you know, it was kind of a, yeah. An investor's, uh, Let's check on these assets. Also, let's play some of the best golf in the world and have more fun than we can, you know, have in a long time. Before we get to the fun, Cooper Manning, my main narrator of this adventure, introduces the cast of characters involved, and then each person explains their role on this ultimate buddies trip. I'll give you a breakdown of everybody if that's okay. So Ben Weprin is the uh, is the founder of AJ Capital, and he's the mastermind behind um he's the boss and but but a reluctant he didn't he doesn't act like it you know i think he had more fun than anybody and he's uh he's the one that but he was the guy that said we got to get a good the perfect some and let's go let's go figure out let's go see these assets and go have some fun all these things in life right doesn't matter if you're not sharing it with somebody right they're just minutes then they become moments and then you have memories that last forever. And that's the whole reason we all do and everything that we do is to have those moments and those memories and those shared experiences. They just, you know, when you get older and you're our age, you're working, you have families, you have kids. I mean, that's why people are so nostalgic about college because you and your buddies hanging out all the time. You don't get to do that as much anymore, right? We all have responsibilities and things change and life changes. And to go on a journey for a week with your best friends in these places, dude, I mean, I mean, kid, like I just, you know, couldn't make it up. Eric Church is a country music rock star, and uh, and he lives here in Nashville. And I mean, you got to have a rock star on your trip. I, mean, I think that's just, you know, whether in this case whether he's a real one or whether he thinks he's a real one, that's kind of 
I've been on plenty of trips where I got thought he was, but you know, and, and Eric's is so, what's so cool about him is he is a, you know, I'm not sure he can walk down. He can walk down. He can't walk down any street, you know, when he looks like he's on stage, but when he puts on a pair of accounting goggle, accounting glasses and has just a good old, you know, golf hat on, he can, he can be anonymous, which is pretty neat for him. I think, especially in Scotland, you know, yeah. people don't, they don't hound him, which I think he loves the anonymity. I was the best drinker of all of us. Um, yeah, I had to, I had to, I had to, I had to hold down, you know, the, the, the drinking part. We were in Scotland and Ireland for God's sake. Um, I had to, I had to hold up my musician heritage, uh, the rock and roll lifestyle, but, uh, no, I, I helped out with some of the travel and, and, you know, transferring us across the pond and stuff like that. So we each had kind of a role, you know, of things that we did, you know, and that was now other than just being a ton of fun. That was, that was mine. And then, uh, Eli, um, is uh, Eli and Ben are old friends, really kind of introduced. Uh, they're real good friends, family friends, kids the same age, love to have a good time. What is my, what is my role? Well, I did, I did bring the wine. So that was, that was, you know, as you said, you know, I had to, had, you know, had to do something, you know, you kind of had the plane was going on. Someone had the hotels, Coop's always entertainment and storytelling. Um, and so it's kind of, I was kind of searching. It's like, what can I do to, to help you know chip in on this and and so um you know asked asked weapon if you mind if i brought you know brought some wine for some of these dinners we we're gonna have at the rusex or other places and so uh he said that'd be fine so uh yeah brought you know eight magnums of uh of some good red wine that i've been been saving and and so it was it was uh happy to include that uh on, on the trip and, and get to have those at some special places there's nothing better than having a friend that not only has good good wine, but is willing to share it, right? Like the, <laughs> the worst case is having someone, oh, I got a great wine cellar, but he never busts out the wine. At least you're you're selfless and willing to actually share. That's the key. I, I, I need to drink it. I got I got to I got to make up for some lost time. So I got you know I got to start consuming. Uh, I, I've I've done good job of buying not as good at consuming uh but it's not it's not been because of a lack of effort i'll tell you that so uh uh just got to go on more 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 golf trips so you can bring bring a bunch then we had um a guy named marshall alexander marshall runs point for all of eric church's uh tours and just does everything for the church he's a he's a logistics guy gets things done behind the scenes making Make it happen. He's a short guy. Got a lot of grief about being the shortest guy. It's a pretty tall group on this trip. You know, I don't know, you know, everybody, I always tell him, you know, he's, he's not even tall as his driver, but he kills it. He hits it a long way. So, uh, you know, he's got a, uh, he doesn't get offended easily. I helped with the transportation, just the logistics. You know, that's kind of my role in Eric's world is, is the day to day, like getting him from point A to point B. So me and him kind of tag team that side of it. So everybody else uh, didn't have to worry about, you know, where, you know, when to be. Uh, Taylor has all these golf connections. So he had been working throughout the year to set up tee times and the connections with the golf courses. So it was really a team effort. And uh, Cooper brought the humor, obviously, as he always does. You probably quickly learned he's uh, he's the jokester of the group. And um you know, it was funny because 
you know, the Mannings, they're pro athletes, very tall. Eric's tall. Ben's tall. You know, Eubanks is tall. And we did all these group photos and I'm, I'm pretty short. And uh, so, you know, me five foot, nothing standing up to a bunch of, you know, six feet, five inches. You know, that was a running joke through the whole thing is like, you know, who's the short, who's the guy that brought their kid on the trip? Peyton is uh, loves golf and it really loves golf and, and um, loves boys trips um, can be typically pretty anal on like where we're supposed to be, what time we're getting there, who's going. He, he's, he's kind of a detail guy and typically likes to be in charge, but had no, had no say so on anything this trip. So he, he's relaxed because he's like, you know, I can't do anything about it anyway. So it's, it's kind of takes the edge off Peyton, you know, what are we wearing? What time are we going to be there? What time, what's the dinner? What, you know, like just relax and just, he can kind of go along for the ride, which is fun. And also I think, you know, he's, he's known, but not as known, you know, as you, you know, golf, sure. But you also, it's, I think it's also fun for him a little bit to be in a, when you're in Europe, he's, you know, and he's not the best soccer player in the world right now, you know. So it's like he can kind of he can kind of blend too, which is which is fun for him. I was part of the logistics transportation uh, committee. Uh, me and Eric Church were kind of on that committee together. I'm a big logistics guy, and this was a great trip because Mark Eubanks, who was on the trip, who works with Cooper and Ben, he is like Mister Logistics. I mean, that is his job to help organize golf trips where people can stay at these hotels and play at these courses. So this was right up his alley. It was kind of nice not to have to organize every uh, piece of the itinerary. So I enjoyed that part of it, but uh, I uh, did my part on uh, certain parts of the transportation and logistics and uh, uh, kind of helped the trip go smoothly, no problems. And so um, I feel like I did my job. Then we have a guy named Mark Eubanks and Mark, is uh, was formal. He was he was the head of of a, of a golf course called the Old Farm for a while. The GM there, and we're all we all played golf there. And Mark came to work for us, just thinking this guy is just such a he is just built to be in hospitality. He loves taking care of things, of problems, of like if it's chaos, if people are coming and going a hundred miles an hour. He's walking in my door now. He is the best. Talking about you, Mark. I'm singing your praises. Talking about it. anyway, and so like, I mean, high-profile people who demand a certain level of excellence and um, anything, he, he gets it. I mean, he gets it done. I saw an interview where they had Jordan Speed was talking about how he gets ice baths. You know, how do you get an ice bath? He called Mark Eubanks. Mark Eubanks is delivering ice. Everybody kind of just took on a you know, their own role. Um, you know, I started working on tea times with Taylor. We got the tea times together. Transportation came together with, with Eric and, of course, Peyton helped with the transportation. Uh, ben, you know, is, he's the founder of AJ and, and Marine and Lawn. So, you know, we had the hotels covered. Um, and then it came to, you know, where are we going to eat? And after being at the Rusex, the 18 rooftop bar, we decided we we're going to be there as often as we can. We had some courtyard settings over at Marine North Barrick. So, it was uh, it was pretty easy. It was a co collaboration with everyone, but uh, Marshall and I kind of made sure that everyone got what they wanted. Another guy, Eric Hasberger, who's the president of AJ Capital, was over. He was over there earlier with some. 
people played Presswick, kind of met us in the middle and didn't catch the tail end. My primary role would be um, taking as many pictures and videos as I can. So the ones, you know, the pictures you saw um, that kind of got posted by John or by Peyton, um, the video of John hitting the beer off the beer can. I, I, that was, that was me on the other side <laughs> laughing. Um, so, you know, I was, and I was happy to serve that role and just, just be a part of it. Cause you know, those guys have known each other forever. And uh, I've worked with Ben and Cooper for a long time and have gotten to know them through Ben and Cooper. Um, but being, you know, being a part of the, that trip with them was pretty, it was pretty special for me for sure. And then we also had Taylor Zarzer, Taylor, uh, obviously, you know, Sirius XM, ESPN, golf guy. And so Taylor set up his coverage of the Open Championship in his on a on a outdoor port, outdoor, I would call it kind of a porch. I don't know if that's the right word. An outdoor of, of one of the rooms in the Rusak. So he had all he was on the headphones sitting out there, and his room kind of turned into a makeshift bar and um hangouts so everybody just went in there and we had drinks we had tunes and you walked out and you're right there on 18 and, and he was doing his broadcast from there and he helped line up a lot of the golf because we were on a little bit of a you know we were not we didn't have this planned early so to play some of these golf courses he was really uh, crucial to lining us up playing with different members where we could get on as opposed to just a bunch of americans coming over there and have it lined up we played we played with either a pro or a member or even a captain of the club at both at North Barrick, at Muirfield, and at Royal County Down, which to me was one of the coolest things I've ever done. It's one thing to go and play with your buddies, nothing to play with your buddies and some locals and members and then have drinks with them after and have lunch and hang out and, you know, shoot, be friends, make lifelong friendships. First of all, this is as you know, as special a backdrop as you can have. Like, just, there's no other place in golf where you can watch a sporting event from the Rusak's patio and overlook this historical moment. And I think that they were so impressed that that you could have that backdrop, number one, and then number two, to, to see what was happening in front of them, which we didn't know exactly that it was going to happen like that. Uh, for that to transpire was was impressive. And, and that was always a part of the, the deal, Maddie, is that we were going to watch the open championship, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, let them totally live that experience, potentially play some golf in the morning. Um, if everybody wanted to, which everybody did. And then we'd go watch, you know, the final, um, the, the, the last pairings go off on Saturday and then watch the conclusion of the open on Sunday was um was really the plan from the beginning and then we would go full golf trip starting on monday and, I, and me i'm um i uh i'm in charge of the music i bring the mu i bring the i bring the tunes everywhere i bring them everywhere we always have them just in case you don't need them and uh and um i like to keep everybody laughing and having fun and you know it's just I enjoy everybody's company. I'm easy. Wait, so you, when you when you're in charge of the music on a buddy's trip that includes Eric Church, do you just play Eric, Eric Church music all day? No, that's kind of part of another deal. Rarely, rarely do we play Church, and Church is is that's funny. He's kind of my only guy. I gotta kind of 
check because every now and then he's, he's critical and he has some taste. So I kind of know, and I'll, you know, I'm trying to always introduce him to something new, but also make sure he knows I have a great appreciation for the old good stuff. So it's like, you know, I know his, I know his touch points. I mean, like, you know, if you want to get on his good side, you just, you're playing Seeger, you're playing Waylon, you're playing, you know, Willie, uh, just, I know where his, and then you try to introduce him something new and he'll kind of give you one of these, like, kind of a, kind of a, like a disappointing uncle, like, look, don't, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. Don't do that. So yeah, it's a little bit of a pressure cooker. So you gotta, I was, I was, I was on my, my A game most of the trip. I asked Eric Church if he was inspired to play any music while on this trip, and his answer was no. Apparently, when he's on a golf trip, it's all about the golf and the group. I mean, there, there's always exceptions. It depends on the trip, but I mean, I, I've really never, I mean, and, and usually the guys I go with know that. I mean, when I go, I'm there to hang. I don't make, you know, Peyton and Eli throw me a football either. So I'm there to, I'm there to hang and <laughs> just, and just hang out, you know, so we're trying just to get to know each other. And, and um, I did write a, a pretty a pretty good song um at royal county down that we i was um we got there which is going to probably work out in the future but it was just kind of this spooky you know kind of deal so it did have a that was an interesting thing musically i couldn't shut that part off you know i didn't have a guitar so i ended up just writing it with just vocal and put it in my, my phone you know it took me like 20 minutes and just fell out so there's some juice and there's some juice in royal county down or at least the sleeve do- sleeve doddered it's a good place more on the song Eric Church wrote later in the story. You might even get to hear a little bit of it. But for now, we get this trip started. And where they begin is where Tiger's week is coming to an end. It's Friday afternoon in St. Andrews, and it's the playing of the 150th Open Championship. First on the mic, appropriately, is Taylor Zarzer. Peyton and his wife, Ashley, were coming over from Paris. Um, so they weren't that he was not there yet. He got there Saturday morning. But everybody else uh, that was arriving arrived on Friday afternoon. In fact, the live broadcast shows this plane coming in to Lukers. And I, I thought oh, I mean, that has to be them. And, and I text them immediately. And Eric texts back, confirmed. And but the I, I don't know if they showed it on NBC, but I know they showed it on or USA, but they showed it on Sky. And there's this plane coming in. Oh, this must be some Americans coming in for the weekend at the Open Championship. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Next, Marshall Alexander. When we landed in Scotland, you know, we, we just went directly from point A to point B. There was no like, let's drop our bags in the room. There was no hey, let's go check this out. We went right to that balcony overlooking the 18th green, and it felt like we were just in a time warp. I mean, that's the greatest view in golf, arguably, and uh, to be surrounded by, you know, your great friends and and to have that scenario was unreal. You just kind of blink and you're like, how did I get here? Eli Manning on following Friday's action. You know, timed up well with that Friday arriving, and, you know, it was like a full a full sprint to the hotel, you know, we're kind of getting updates on our phone. Hey, Tiger's on 16. Like we gotta, we gotta go, we gotta go. Um, and so, I mean, get to the hotel, you know, don't even wait for bags or anything and go, go straight up to the, to the little balcony. They immediately come out the patio while I'm on the air. They're like high-fiving, you know, 
you know, we're here, here, here we go. And then, yeah, Tiger's coming up the last and it's pretty powerful moment. He's, you know, filled with emotion. And that's the, that's kind of how we press play on the, our, uh, our five day adventure. Eric church. We had landed within the hour, you know, before that. And we come, we, we, we knew, you know, we didn't plan to do it, but it was um, very serendipitous that we got there at the same time that, you know, that was happening and Roy was teeing off and Tiger was coming up. And you know what it was? It was a really great foreshadowing for an incredible, memorable trip. Because when you you see something like that, it just kind of, it sets everything up. You know, that's the first thing. We, had, we didn't even take our bags to the room. We, we left the bags. We went running up to, to the rooftop there at Rusak's. And at that time, Tiger was putting out on 17. And then he teed off on 18. And we got to, you know, got to watch that. And a little bit of a, I mean, I don't know what Tiger's future will be, but to watch him pause there on the bridge and, you know, the nod to Rory, it was just a little bit of a passing of the torch. And I was very, very glad that we made it for that and got to see that. And Eli Manning again on witnessing a snippet of golf history. 18 at the old course, uh, you know, maybe his last, Last British Open, you know, as, uh, you know, assume his last, you know, open at St. Andrews. It's a, you know, it's a while to, you know, a little bit till they have another one. So to see him, um, you know, walk walk through the 18th, uh, you know, took a couple pictures. I've gotten to know his caddy Joe Lacava uh, fairly well. You know, kind of sent him a text uh, afterwards, took a picture of him and Tiger on on the uh, on the green at 18, and, and sent him a, a picture. And here's Joe Lacava. Tiger's legendary caddy. If you could just give me your perspective on kind of again that 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 moment in which you're you you're in in the Coliseum as they're watching the scene. Do you, do you, any you know? Can you give me kind of reflections of what that meant to you to kind of be in the middle of all of that? Yeah. No. My first thought is you know Steve won with him twice here, so he deserves and should have the recognition. You know, I'm on the back half of the career, but I'm still enjoying every minute of it, and I. As a golf historian being in the business since 1987, obviously I get it, what's going on coming up 18. And the fact that you know, we had a great parent. You, know, you got two young kids who idolized Tiger. Um, you got Rory in the mix going down one. You got JT teeing off on one. So it's kind of cool in that respect because you have four young kids that all love Tiger, respect the game, respect what he's done. So to see those guys take it all in for me was neat because I was kind of to the side. So it's neat to see Tiger go across the bridge, wave the hat, but again, seeing the young kids almost like, oh, my God, this is his history for them, too, being young kids. And they've accomplished a lot in the game, too. But they still respect everything the Tigers done. And they're trying to chase him down with his records. So that was kind of neat. And then obviously seeing all the bleachers fall, you know, the whole Rusex thing is full of people. And you can just hear the noise and the buzz and everything about it. You know, I try to stay off to the side and let him enjoy his moment. And obviously he hit a couple good shots in there. Didn't make the putt. But still hit two good shots in there. So that was fun to end up that way. I think they sold, you know, 300,000 tickets. I mean, St. Andrews is always going to be a great venue regardless of what's going on. But, yeah, definitely an extra buzz. Not so much knowing it could be Tiger's last go-around, but knowing that he's 46 years old and we all go to Tom Watson's competing at 59. Yes, it could happen. But realistically, maybe this is the last time he's got a chance to compete and be somewhat healthy. I'm hoping that's not the case. But at the same time, in case it is, you want to be there and you want to be a part of it. And I think, like you said, having Bones there and the other players there and the place packed and the buzz, it was incredible. Back to Ben Weprin. Such a 
big event and everybody knew it. You know, and with the good and the evil and live and all this stuff going on and like something special was happening even on, you know, Monday. And you knew that before. And then when you saw that and Tiger, I mean, I just, that was, that was really impactful. And he's such a hero to everybody there. It was, it was really cool and to watch it from the balcony. Yeah. Big time. And then we had um, a fun dinner that night. Um, Joe LaCava, uh, you know, Tiger's caddy had dinner with us on, on the, the rooftop of the Rusacks, which is called 18. As they're starting their trip, you're kind of decompressing. And what do you remember about getting in the mix of this? Well, I, I, I fortunate enough to get asked to come over and have a beer or two with the guys, you know, Ben, who's running the show there and Skinner and, you know, the rest of the guys, they're all having a blast. And, you know, I'm uh, people that know a little bit about me know that I'm a huge Giants fan and I come across maybe as a potential stalker. I don't know. You know, so of course I got the Giants lit eye because I'm all in. I'm hanging out with the guys and I actually text my daughter. Guess who I'm hanging out with? I'm hanging out with Eli and I said, the Giants hat too much. She goes, no, you're legit. You've been a real Giants fan for whatever, 50 years now. You can you can go ahead and wear the Giants. They they know you. So I'm just having a good time. And actually, the guy that I hit it off with was Cooper because I didn't really know him that well. And he was hilarious. I mean, you could see the Mannings have it, the dry sense of humor in the whole nine yards. I get it. But I think Cooper might be the funniest of them all. I had an absolute blast with him. Um, but just to sit there and have dinner, like you said, the sun setting at that place. You know, we're talking a lot of golf. Yeah, my bummed out that you know we didn't make the cut. Of course, I am. But at the same time, you got to try to make the, the most of it. You're not going to sit in your bedroom and feel sorry for yourself. So I said, I got to get out of the hotel room, have a good time with these guys, and we had an absolute blast. I was told Lacaba knows so much about the Giants and the franchise. He was actually coaching Eli up on the team's past. In turn, Eli was sharing what he knows about the future. See, he really never saw the dark days that we saw growing up as kids in the 70s and early 80s. I mean, they were off of the worst team in the sport. So he can't appreciate that. He came in, you know, first couple seasons weren't great, but he had a lot of success throughout his entire career, obviously, there. So he doesn't know anything about the dark days. You know, you hear about it, but then to hear a fan, like a passionate fan, go after him a little bit and tell him about it. You know, there's days you're thinking, I never thought as a kid growing up, they'd ever actually get to the playoffs, let alone win one and then win four Super Bowls. So, you know, as a, as a gnarly Giants fan, that's just all you had growing up. They were just bad. You knew they were going to be bad. Um, thank God they turned around with uh, Sims and then Eli and stuff like that. But we had a lot of fun. And actually, you know, Eli's one of those guys where, you know, he's going to he knows he's going to get bombarded with Giants questions. So I'm not going to kill him on that because I get it. You know, I'm around these guys. that don't want to talk golf when you're with Tiger, so on and so forth. But he's kind enough to engage the conversation. We talked to Daniel Jones, a little Barkley, and he gave me some insight on those guys, too. So we had a little we had a great back and forth. And I know he's a he's a giant, you know, giant nut and, and you know, uh, put him in touch with kind of the equipment guys with the Giants and say, hey, we got to send him like the most updated gear. Like he's going to wear it at the Masters. Like he's going to wear it at the British Open. You're going to see it underneath, you know, the kind of the caddy bib. Like, you know, let's get him, get him the hat, get him the stuff. Like make sure he's got the, the new stuff going here. You know, he's representing the Giants. Like this is, you know, he's going to get a lot of airtime. You know, no one's getting more airtime. And if Tiger's number one, then it's like Bacava's like number two. Then it's Rory. You know, no one's, you know, he's going to be on there. Let's make sure he's got the right gear. I got a box this big at home of all sorts of golf stuff, T-shirts, workout stuff, the whole nine yards. I think part of the problem is, you know, I'm, I'm old school dinosaur. So I think the stuff that I show up with the giant stuff at Augusta is the same stuff year after year after year because I just get comfortable with it and I like it. That's my giant stuff. So some of the stuff is probably eight years old. And they're like, oh, my God, that's like vintage, like 1980s. Get this guy something new, some decent gear. 
So he was kind enough to send me a big box, more than I need. Obviously, my kid got two-thirds of it, so I don't have much of it left anyways. Meanwhile, back at the rooftop restaurant, Eli's jet lag is kicking in. And we're having dinner, you know, and I was sitting next to the kava, and it's, I don't know what time it is. It's 11 o'clock or 11.30, and like, I am, I'm crashing. Like, I'm getting very tired, but I had, you know, the food hadn't come yet, and I'm just like... I am so tired yet. I I need some, I know I need some food in my system right now. I kind of skipped, I skipped, you know, didn't really have breakfast. We didn't have lunch. So like I needed my one meal of the day and I'm just kind of fighting through it. The thing I remember most is I guess they got that big seafood platter or whatever it was. I'm just engaged in the conversation. I have a couple of beers. I'm not paying attention. The next thing I know, they kind of put it down uh, to my right and Eli was to my left. And all I got was for, for, I think, 20 straight minutes, all I had was his hand and elbow coming across, grabbing seafood after seafood after seafood. And I'm like, what is going on here? How is this guy in such great shape? He ate probably 40, I'm not going to say 40 or 50 oysters, those lobsters, the whole nine yards. And he was kind of, he was so hungry, like you said, so tired. He was kind of leaning over, grabbing and putting his mouth, spitting on me and just shit was flying everywhere. It was incredible. He was so hungry. And then I think finally, after he ate a little bit, got a big belly. All of a sudden, now he's tired. He's going like this. Now, here's the deal. Everyone was insisting you go to bed. Like, you're tired. You're asleep. I'm like, oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. You hang in there because I want to talk some more Giants football. So I was the only guy trying to keep him up. Everyone else was telling him to go to bed. And so we watched Tiger. Then that night with the dinner with Joe, we were all kind of – at one point, Eli just got up from dinner at, 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 at you know, jet lag. And he goes, I got, I'm going to bed. I'm like, can you do that? Can you just leave in the middle of dinner? And apparently, you can on the first night. I guess you get a pass. You just – the body – the body just breaks down. So, um, and so the next day we started off and went to uh, King's Barnes. Now, apparently, and, and that night at dinner, uh, John Daly texted Church dinner and said, "Where are y'all?" And said, "We're up top." He goes, "I'm coming up." Church like, "Oh God, here you know, no telling what's coming." So they start talking, and he tells them we're playing at King's Barnes tomorrow. And Dale goes, "I'm gonna come out there." So I, I bumped into John. We were at the we were at a restaurant uh, that night, 18th Tea, I think is what it's called, at at, at, um, at Urusaks. And um, John was around, and we started talking. And I, I knew John a little bit from from Nashville, and, and just being around him. And um, he just, you know, he asked, um, "What are you guys doing tomorrow?" And I said, "We're playing." I told him the whole trip. I said, "This is what we're doing." He said, "What time are you playing Kingsborn?" And I was like, "Well, I'm gonna play around 10, you know, in the morning." He said, "You mind if I join?" And I thought it was, you know, we're late at night drinking you know i thought this will never happen and um about five minutes till tea time john daly rolls up and pops out of an suv and proceeds to grab my beer and put a golf ball on it and tee off on the first tee destroyed my beer by the way but he hit a damn good drive down the, down the fairway if daly was in on the golf it meant hasberger was out but he didn't mind he pulls up as I, I don't even remember what he was driving but as i picture it it's like a it's like this giant bus, right? I mean, I don't think that's even right, but he rolls out and he's got St. Louis Cardinal shorts on. You know, it's just loud, everything, big beard. I mean, it's just, it's so clearly John Daly. And he, he steps out and the first thing I think is like, this guy wanted, this guy wanted open. <laughs> and, and he's one of the most talented golfers maybe ever. Um, and just a legend. And he almost made the, almost made the cut the day before, which is incredible. If you think about it, I mean, shoot tiger was, you know, I don't know how many strokes behind him. Um, so anyways, he roll, he steps out and announces that, you know, it had been a big night. He was still feeling it a little bit. I'm not sure exactly when he went to bed. You know, like, you know John, you want to go to the range? Like, 
now John Daly doesn't go to the range, right? <laughs> so he gets he gets all the stuff. It's in a cart, which he's driving with a speaker blaring Eric Church music, none of which is allowed at Kings Barnes. Marshall Alexander's perspective. The guy is a legend, uh, obviously for what he does and what he's done. Um, you know, he he goes up to Eric and says, "Hey, come on, tea." Yeah, yeah, here you go. You know, because he grabs his tall boy beer instead. His tenants beer is what we were drinking, Scottish lager. And he's like, okay, I guess he wants my beer. He takes that, plops it on the floor or on the tee box, tees his ball up, nails a 300-yard drive, and goes, best drive I've had in three days. And the fact that, you know, he showed up three minutes before his tee time. He drove a golf cart on a course. They don't allow golf carts. He was listening to music louder than anyone there you know and it was just you couldn't have painted a better description of what what it what came to be it was pretty hilarious back to ben weprin that was a serious that was a serious moment and it was like, that was the beer we were drinking the whole time. I mean, I, I don't know. He, Eric was mad about the beer. I'm like, dude, who cares about the beer? That was amazing. Did you just see? <laughs> what a what a gem. Took a cart. No one's allowed a cart. He just comes up in a cart playing country music. What a, what a legend. That was hilarious. It happened. And he was, John was sweet, man. We had a great time with him. Um, and we had two kind of foursome going on that day. We broke it up a little different. But um uh, he played eleven or twelve with us, and then he had to he had to head back, you know, to the to the old course. But um, it was it was it was just a fun memory, you know. And again, I mean, you you're kicking off your your trip as far as spectating with Tiger, and you're kicking off your playing with John Daly. And uh, it just uh, set up a pretty good, pretty special, pretty special trip. Taylor Zarzer, but I think he made uh, history that day by driving his own cart with a speaker blaring Eric Church and Hank Williams Jr. and other uh, country music out on the course. And uh, he puts his golf ball on a uh, tenant's beer on the first tee as his tee and stripes one down the middle. And and here we go. I I couldn't believe that, that that's uh, how we were starting our golf trip. But um, Peyton and... JD put that out on their social media. And um, my boss at Sirius XM said, are you working the open championship this week? And I said, yes, I am, but I'm, I'm doing some research right now uh, at Kings Barnes before the third round. We took a group picture. John posted that on Instagram. So everybody was made aware that we were in Scotland uh, right after that, but I missed the you know, tee off the, uh, um, off the beer can. I've seen John do that before on social media, but uh, sounds like it was a pretty cool view uh, up close to personal. But uh, yeah, that was our first round at Kings Barnes. Uh, kind of like my last trip. I feel like I peaked too early. I shot 77 at Kings Barnes. I'm like, this is it. I got it. I got the rhythm. I'm going low at, uh, you know, North Barrick and at Muirfield. I just seemed to kind of go a little higher from that point on. So Zarzer gets back to cover the Saturday afternoon at the Open. The rest of the crew takes it in from the various Rusik's decks and bars that overlook the finish. It's like a Super Bowl at Lambeau or 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 World Series at Wrigley Field or 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 you know or Fenway. It's it's like for us, 
it's the greatest venue with a long-standing history that goes back to the beginning of the game. You know, it's an NBA finals at, 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 I don't know, like, you know, at, at the old garden, right? Like, I mean, it's just, it just, it just different. We were trying to do, you know, you see, there's the Jimmy Roberts is there. Mike Tirico is there. Um, and I, I, it was fun to kind of bait them. on like, how do you compare this, especially the setting right there with where the, the Rusax is. And they were like, it'd be like, you know, it's not, it's not, it's like um, if you're being at Wrigley, but, but being on top of the pitcher's mound, or, I mean, you can't even like, there's no better spot to watch something like that. It, it, we, everybody was trying to search for some sort of, you know, hypothetic comparison. And, and I'm not sure anybody came up with something just perfect. Here's Eric Hasberger on the vantage point that the Rusix Hotel provided. I think we said like maybe if you could build a hotel on the on the tee box on a Ben corner, you know, like and be perched up there, and I you know have access to this amazing like hospitality suite, and then your room's right around the corner if you want to go lay down, and if you want a pizza, you just say, "Hey Mark, can we get some pizza?" And he goes, "Of course we can get some pizza." And it's just there. It was it was unbelievable. Like <laughs> I try to explain it to my buddies. Um, when I got back home, I'm like. I don't even know how to tell you about this because you're not even going to believe it. <laughs> that night, on the eve of the final round, having already had a few unexpected guests on the trip, they get their first call to action. Back to Hasberger. Tell me about the cemetery. So how 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 did that all come about, and and what what do you remember about it? Yeah. So um, so we've gotten to know um, Jim Jim Nance uh, you know, since he moved to Nashville. Ben in particular um, knows him knows him really well. And, um, and so I guess Jim has a tradition where he goes and, and pays tribute to old Tom and young Tom, um, the, the night before the Sunday of the open on the cemetery, we hear from church. And then that night, Jim Nance is like, you guys got to go to the cemetery. Yeah. Are you- I didn't know. That. Okay. This one now, Jim had never, I, I know Jim pretty good. We had never really talked about this. This is something that he, he sprung on us kind of last minute said if you guys are game you have to go there at midnight and we're just sitting there you know all going and finally we decided you know what we're here it's that kind of trip let's go not knowing where it was not knowing how far you know we just we just all you know jumped out and here we go and then i didn't realize i thought you could just go see it now you got to break in the place you actually have you can't just they don't let you in you actually have to break in (laughs) Uh, on that Saturday, it started. Now, there's several different streams. I got a picture of Taylor and uh, Marshall. You spoke to Marshall? Yeah, yeah. Great, dude. And Ben, we were toasting you, my man. Love you, my man. <laughs> so, that was from Ben. I said, it has to be incredible being there on the eve of great history. We just saw your pal Trevor. He's at Rusex with everyone else you know. And then I said, my tradition at midnight on Saturday night since 2000 is to climb the wall at the Old Town Cemetery and go pay my respects at the graveside of old and young Tom Morris. Any takers tonight? It's a four-block walk from the hotel. (laughs) So I seeded the idea. And... Uh, they, it shifted over to another stream. So I seeded the idea. So the first guy to write 
two minutes behind me was Eli. He says, I'm in. So I had to have somebody step up. Eli's such a good dude. Nan said, you got to ask him about the cemetery. I guess you were on this trip. I was on it, you know, I, I definitely on any on any um, um, guy's trip. I, I'm definitely on the uh, no, no man left behind. And it's, it's, so someone's someone's, you know, uh, hopping a fence or jumping on something like I got to be included. I got I, I can't miss out on these opportunities, on these adventures that you never know what what might happen. But usually a great story. Uh, this is where the great stories come from. So they were kind of telling me about, you know, uh, about Nance and then hopping the fence and a tradition that they had to keep going to go see old, old Tom Morris's grave. And, and, um, and so I was like, yeah, you know, I'm in. It involves a graveyard and hopping a fence. Like it sounds right up my speed. And much to my amazement later on, I started to realize this had taken hold. And the great majority of the group <laughs> decided this was a good idea. So I said to them, I did it the last four opens at St. Andrews. The wall can easily be climbed by you athletes, <laughs> which is not that easy. We know that. Maybe I oversold that. Here's Taylor Zarzer. Ben, Eric, Marshall, Eli, and I ended up going and Marshall got in. Marshall um, was rather fearless and he jumped over very quickly, jumped over the trash can and over the wall and immediately cut his finger wide open as he did it. The rest of us were a little bit more thoughtful of how we got over the wall. This was, I guess, midnight or 1 a.m. and uh, full of excitement said, all right, we've got to go to old Tom's grave. You know, that's part of the, the tradition and, and, and uh, let's go. So, we stocked up a you know bag full of beer and walked down the streets and we get to the cemetery and uh you know the they had built a temporary chain link fence obviously they probably wouldn't keep people out which um was you know didn't kept keep us out you know but we uh I climbed the fence and I didn't even kind of look I was at that point where I just kind of hopped over and landed on the on the ground I said, oh, man I looked at my finger and it was bleeding pretty good and grabbed a beer and washed off the blood and uh, uh then it kind of kicked in i go we're at the beginning of a five-day golf trip in the best golf courses of the world what the hell am i gonna do so uh got through the night got a band-aid i was i said so, you know couldn't feel a thing at that point obviously the morris gravesite is on the right wall of the cemetery my guess is there will be a few people perhaps a dozen that are there doing the same thing. Your flashlight app will come in handy. And Taylor wrote, well, we are at Rusex right now. Cooper wrote, I'm wearing camouflage. Peyton said, Jim, do we have to wear a turtleneck? <laughs> I said, required at the door, preferably tweed jacket also. Peyton then said, hello, dead friends. <laughs> Wep said, hysterical. And then Ben said, grave jump, a tradition unlike any other. The good news is they're in. The bad news, they don't know where to go. Here's Eli Manning. You know, typical morons. Like we, we hop the fence, we're in, we're in the graveyard, and it's kind of like, 
oh, where is it? You know, it, it, did we get, did anybody talk to Nancy? Did they tell us any direction? Like, we're just like looking at random, you know, um, you know, stones to try to like, you know, have a flat, you got the iPhone, you know, flashlight trying to see, is this it? No, this is it. I mean, we would have been there for, you know, two hours until, you know, we found it. Maybe we should call Nance and he can give us a little direction. So got, got him on the, on the phone. And then it turned into a FaceTime call, which I did not expect. I'm trying to think of where I was when I received that FaceTime call because I was outside somewhere. Back to Ben Weprin. I totally felt like he was there. We yeah. FaceTimed him. Um, uh, when we got to the grave and he was, you know, he, we couldn't find it. And so I was, you know, it's like, let's call Jim to call him up, you know, and he told us where to go. And we had no clue where we were going. We just walked over. He's like, you got to go there. We didn't know. We'd never done it before. And he guided us through the whole thing in his Jim man's voice. Yeah. Eli got on the FaceTime and said, Hey Jim, where is this thing? I'm looking at it like a Batman looking structure, a Batman building. It is part of the old ruins that are there. And I said, Oh, I know exactly where you are. Make a right turn. It's up against the wall on the right side. It's about equidistant with that one structure. You're in the neighborhood. And I could hear a voice up ahead. I think I found it. I think I found it. And, you know, we would have never found this without the help of Jim Nance. We're going through, it's a massive cemetery. And we said, Hey, does it tell me what, you know, what, here's what I'm looking at. I see this big thing that looks like Lord of the Rings, you know, looks like a Batman building. He goes, that perfect. Go to that and take a right. And then we did that and we keep walking. He said, you can't miss it. It's along the East wall. There's this ivory tombstone that's implanted in the wall. You can't miss it. So it was going to show up a little bit, even under darkness with a moonlit sky. It, it just, it popped a little bit and someone I could just tell was, running toward it and discovered it. They were like just a bunch of kids on a treasure hunt. So we keep walking, keep walking and finally see, you know, the, the, the old Tom Morris, new, young Tom Morris grave. And then we, um, Taylor Zarzar, who was with us, gave a little speech and a little commemorative thing that we, that we, we FaceTimed Jim on and sent him. The signal broke up, and so he he did fall off. But we sent we did a video um, while we were there. We sent it to Jim. He he was incredibly appreciative of that. And um, you know, as as you know, he's just um, in my opinion the voice of golf. And for for him to to ask us to do that was was a real honor. And I'm I'm really glad we did because I think all of us were pretty moved by it. Here's the recording of Taylor's speech that night. Old Tom Morris and young Tom Morris started major championship golf. Jim Nance is one of the greatest voices in American sports history. And we're here to pay tribute to our friend Jim tonight by seeing two of the greatest golfers of all time that gave us major championship golf. And here we are at the 150th edition of the Open Championship, the most historic major ever paying tribute to the guys that started all of this. We pay tribute to them and we're thankful for all the people that came after them. And whatever happens tomorrow will certainly be significant, but it all happens because of what these guys created. Okay, I'll be in the lobby at 8.30. There you go. <laughs> I think it was just powerful to, to be standing there, you know, in that moment. And it was funny because um, Eric always waffles about early morning golf and we were playing Dumb Barney 
the next morning at 8.30. And so I, I gave this little speech and uh, everybody was kind of taking in the moment. And Eric said, okay, I'll be in the lobby at 8.30 tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's a really good tradition. He does it every year. And it was, it was really cool to keep it going. You know, and he couldn't be there to do it. So um, I didn't know what we were participating in, but I was all in for breaking into something. It's very poetic. It was almost like out of a dead poet society where we, we, you know, our demeanor shifted to this more Shakespearean, like, let's pay homage and read some, you know, you had Taylor, whose commentary has got a voice of, uh, you know, and it was really kind of stoic how it all happened and, and meaningful. And um, it, it was great. It was awesome. At 12.52, their time, they sent me the video of, uh, of their escapades. And when I saw the video, I said, indescribably poignant, brought tears to my eyes. It did. Thanks, guys. Thanks to all of you. The tradition continues. I said at the 150th open, at the stroke of midnight, freaking fantastic. So for this old soul who's into these uh, kind of connections with the past and bringing it all together, to have some buddies on the ultimate buddy trip go and actually stand in for you and allow you to experience it vicariously, connect me live via FaceTime, worlds apart, eight time zones removed, have me there live and in person. Very nice gift. Gift of friendship. Golf does that to you. You get to understand it through this game more than any other thing you can think of, any other endeavor that brings people together. Meanwhile, Mark Eubanks was back tending to the duties of running the Rusix Hotel. Were you involved in the cemetery trip? No, you could. You didn't go to the cemetery. No. I was the uh, QRF for that one. That's the quick reactionary force in the event that there was any issues with them jumping the fence and going to the gravesite of old Tom Morris. I said, you just send me a text and there'll be a group of people show up that will extract you from the situation safely and get you back to the hotel. So no, I was not a part. I saw the picture and I said, what is this? And they said, don't you remember? And I'm like, no, I wasn't a part of that. Woke up in the morning yeah, you know, I couldn't move my finger very well. Get to the driving range at Dumbarney. And uh, I was just like, I can't, I don't know. So I changed my grip and uh, was able to do it on the fly and ended up shooting a 77 that day. And it, it was fine, but uh, it's still bleeding a week later. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that was, that was, uh, you know, one of those moments where you're with your best buds. It felt like, you know, college or high school, getting into something fun, Tom Flory. And, and uh, so, yeah, Tom, Tom Morris's spirit was with us for the whole trip after that. As for a course review, here's Zarzer on Dumbarney. I can see why there's some chatter about them potentially hosting the Scottish Open at, at some point. It, it's got very similar vibes to Renaissance and Kings Barnes. And you're right. Uh, the greens, you can tell they've had some issues, but you can tell they're also coming back. They were slow, but they're, they were in much better shape than I thought that they would be in. Um, and I, I just thought the lay, lay, layout was beautiful. And 
so different than the old course or any of the St. Andrews courses. And they're, it's 15 minutes away. It's just, it's neat to be right on the water and have such a different experience than what you would have at, at the, uh, at the old course. Um, and so, yeah, I'm absolutely glad we played. We had a, we had a great time there and a um, couple of great groups. Back to Cooper Manning. Some guys took caddies and some guys you know, even carried their own bag. Um, I had a great caddy who I, I literally, he had the thickest accent. I, could, I understood about every six word. That's why I played so badly. I've been blaming it on him the whole time. Um, you know, yeah, it's, a, it's an unbelievable track of land and gorgeous. Uh, they had, had green trouble, so the greens were really slow. And, uh, but you can tell that's got the, you know, the makings of a Scottish Open, you know, in the next few years or, or whenever. I mean, it's just, it could get really hard. And we had the best weather. I mean, everybody, we wore, I never, I don't think I ever put on a rain jacket the whole trip. I mean, we just, I, wore, I didn't know you could wear shorts. Back time, when I had been a long time ago, you didn't wear long pants. It was a little more formal. You could wear shorts and, and a little more, I mean, some people didn't bring, church didn't bring these shorts. He, he, had, he looked like he was dressed as a, for a polar bear. I mean, he, had, he was sweating his, his, you know, sweating his tail off. Yeah, Dunn Barney, I don't remember very much of Dunn Barney, if I'm being 100% honest with you. But I, I remember it, Saturday was a really long day for me. So Dunn Barney, I got part of. I, I don't, I, I think I, I'm not sure. I may have lost money that day too, but. I, I remember getting back and, and then getting there for, you know, the final round. And, and that was something we had looked at, you know, all day. We were following along as we played, you know, are they making noise? What's happening here? You know, we were kind of doing that thing. But um, it was really interesting. I was certain that Rory was going to win. I mean, I certain. I would have bet any amount of money. I'd have bet any amount of money on two things, that Tiger would have made the putt at 18, and he didn't. And Rory would have won because it just felt like it was one of those things. And when we got back, you know, um, to the to the for the open to watch the final round, the leaders were on the front nine. So they were they had not Cam had not made that that launch yet. You know that all of a sudden everything changed in five holes. Golf is the hardest spectator sport to watch. You know, you you're only seeing the action in front of you, and you don't really know what else is happening. So I have a monitor that our engineers had wired into the truck and um, Tommy Roy, who I'm sure you saw at some point last week is also staying in the same hotel. And he's, he's just mind blown how we created this. And he's like, this is, how did you do this? He's like, this is the greatest spot. But we had a, we had a program feed out there um, that Jeremy Davis and Daryl Doss, our, our producers and engineers had had wired for us. And so the entire uh, patio was hovering over my shoulder and Carl Paulson's shoulder as they're, as we're watching the action, you know, what is Rory doing and what is Cam Smith doing? And um, so they're just watching all of this uh, transpire. And that was pretty cool. We've got, um, we've got Peyton Manning who was literally uh, stationed between Carl and me. He was hovering in just trying to watch what was happening was, was awesome. Yeah, Taylor's golf was not very good on Saturday or Sunday because, A, I don't think he was supposed to be playing golf. Uh, matter of fact, when Daly posted the picture that sort of, you know, uh, made everybody aware, you know, who was playing golf, I think Taylor's boss called him and said, oh, 
you know, hanging out playing 18 with John Day of the day, you know, so, so much for your pre tournament preparation, but his golf was terrible because he was thinking about, am I going to be back on time? He's checking his watch. So he was a good opponent, uh, uh, those first couple of days, let's say that, but yeah, you know, to get back and to be able to watch that. And, you know, when, when you, uh, when you know, some of the golfers via some of the pro-ams that I've played in through the years at Pebble Beach or, you know, the Memorial uh, sponsored by Workday now, I've gotten to know, you know, Rory and, and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. And so when you see him play, you're certainly pulling for him. And look, it was very obvious that so many people were pulling for Roy McIlroy at that time as he had the lead. I was no different. He was staying there at the hotel, uh, as was Spieth and Thomas. So uh, that was pretty cool. And uh, but, but it was exciting to watch both those uh uh, rounds of golf between, you know, watching it live on 18 and having a TV and watching the broadcast at the same time. Well, it's funny. We're, we're watching. We have a TV on inside, inside. And we also are watching, listening to Taylor actually broadcast what's going on. He's got a TV. So we're all kind of looking at his TV and then, you know, looking down, watching, you know, what's going on at 18 and the leaderboard. It was, it was phenomenal. It was, it was it was so fun. Coop decided to come out in his bathrobe. Everybody else was was out there in, you know, Sunday golf attire. And Coop comes out in his Rusak's bathrobe. They have these great looking robes in the Rusak's. These great white terry cloth robes with a with a great badge right there, the Rusak. And I said, shit, I'm, I'm gonna wear that down to the I got dressed and just put that on real tight and I couldn't see. And I went down, you know, out there, everybody's on the deck. And this is, you know. Four, four to 30 in the afternoon, you know, I mean, y'all obviously have a different thought on how you're going to watch golf than I do. I like to be very comfortable. And everybody want to take pictures of you or drink it. And, and uh, it was, uh, you know. Cooper coming out in a robe. That's the least surprising thing that happened on the whole trip. Just so you know. Then all of a sudden you kind of hear a little buzz about Cam, Cam Smith, you know, you know, Hey, he's had, three birdies in a row. Hey, he's had four, hey, five birdies in a row. You know, all of a sudden he's, you know, he's one, he's one back. And uh, it's like, Oh, this thing's getting, this thing's getting tight. Taylor is doing his broadcast on the balcony. So we had really, we could hear, you know, what was going on on, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 coming up and cam on a birdie parade. Um, uh, it was, you know, you just knew, I mean, you were just part of something really special. I used to do some NASCAR work, and in the last few years of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s career, it felt like he was playing a home game every time he was in a race, that everybody in the entire uh, – everyone at the racetrack was cheering for him. It felt like you were playing – it was like a, a, an Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia home game in a way, and that's exactly what it felt like at the Open. Rory's popularity has grown so much even this year – that now people are chanting his name every time that something good happens on the golf course for him. When he hold that bunker shot on 10 on Saturday to make Eagle all, immediately, you have all these chants of Rory, Rory. And that carried him around the golf course. No one was upset that Cam Smith won or has anything against him. And everybody said, well played, but you're right. Everybody was cheering for Rory. And it was kind of the icebreaker conversation that we had with the the head pro or anybody on site at the golf courses the next couple of days or the caddies was, ah, I can't believe Rory didn't get it done, or I thought he was going to get it done. Everybody wanted to see it. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I think that to a degree, it was a bit of a bummer that the last nine holes didn't go the way everybody thought that they would. But to see Cam Smith play that well and and go out and win the Claret Jug like that still was very enjoyable. It was a remarkable setting, you know, four or five days removed from it. I've still got flashbacks going through my mind to be able to be there with those special people, uh, to see Taylor do his craft, uh, to hear the the crowd honor Cameron as well as Rory. Um, it was uh, it was epic. And also, Rory was staying at the Rusacks, so we, you know, behind the scenes were hoping, you know, if Rory won, you know, the party comes back there, and we, you know, we'd already rehearsed drinking out of the Claret Jug. We had like big, you know, I was saving up. I was like, this is going to be the greatest night of my life, you know, upstairs in the roof, everybody celebrating. So we were, uh, you know, I would say secretly pulling hard for him. And, uh, and I, you know, I know Cam, I heard Cam had a really fun, good party at the uh, Old Corps Hotel, which we did not get invited to. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, when you're Rusix guys, you you don't get to the. It's like no, it's, you pick no. one. You pick you're one. Rusix or Old Course Hotel. It's it's right. It's Tiger or home. Phil. It's Cam or Rory. I mean, it, that's the way it gets. It is thousand percent, thousand percent. So that being said, I'm not so sure Cooper was cheated out of a party. Back to Eric Church on that robe, and what came of the night. Uh, were you a part of this Cooper coming out in a robe? I wasn't a part of it, but Cooper came out in a row. Yeah, he, I, I, when I when I got there, I, I, I didn't know what I I missed. You know, Cooper was in a robe, and you know, debauchery had ensued. A lot of players and other people were on the balcony, and it, it turned into a it turned into a hell of an event. And it turned into a, a decently late night. We had to we had to get up pretty early the next morning, head to North Barrett, and um, so we didn't have as long of a night as we did, you know, um, the night before. So, uh, but it was just a lot of celebration, a lot of you know, and again, uh to be there for an event that's that's that historic and your buddy happens to, you know, own the hotel and you're with your friend. It just was a, it's just not something you can ever make up. You, none of our lives would ever collide like that. Like we're all people that do different things and incredible things. And we're all busy. And just to get everybody in that spot was just not something that would, that ever happens. And then I got in the robe and we have a, Underneath in the bottom of the Rusex, I don't know if you went that bar. I have a bar down there called One Under, and I went down there and it was packed. They had a girl playing tunes, and everybody was in there. Just I went down there and got it. I got behind the bar and started bartending and got into a drinking game with these people. I'm going to cut Coop off here. We'll get to the drinking game in a minute, but we don't get there without more time with him behind the bar pouring pints. Here's Hasberger on the events that led up to One Under. You know, the story was he ended up down at one under serving drinks, right, and playing playing the beer game or uh, drinking games. But the initial intent was there was some guy. So everything was over, right? They had done the trophy ceremony and the crowds, you know, the crowds just swarmed the 18th. And then they slowly kind of, you know, dribble away. And there was some guy who was clearly having his own nostalgic moment who was just lying down on the 18th fairway. And he, was, he had like a pose where he had his knee up, you know, and his elbow up. And he was kind of, he was sort of posing in sort of this weird, <laughs> this weird position. And Coop goes, I think I'm going to go lay next to that guy in my bathroom. <laughs> so he's down there trying to, you know, 
I, the only way in was to climb the fence. And there was no way he was climbing the fence on a bathrobe. I don't think he realized that. So he had to bail on that plan originally, or the original plan. But to get down there, I think he went through the one under. And that that's where, you know, that's where it clicked. And so next thing you know, he's, he's down there. And he was down there before anybody else was. It was just him. You know, the staff at the Rusex contacted me and they're like, Mr. Eubanks, we, we have a problem downstairs in the one under. And I'm like, okay, what, what's the problem? Peyton Manning is wearing a robe and pouring beers for free. And I said, well, that's not Peyton. That's Cooper. And it's okay. <laughs> How are you going to stop Cooper? That was Cooper Manning, who has uh, unfortunately favors uh, me and sometimes doesn't always correct the person when they call him Peyton. You know, he, he will he will run with that for a little while. He's used to do that back when I was in college. You know, I'm asleep the night before a game. He's out at a bar in Knoxville. He's visiting. You know, like, Peyton, what are you doing out? He's like, ah, you know, we're just playing Vanderbilt tomorrow. What's the big deal? You know, and he takes a puff of his cigar. So, you know, not helpful to me. And unfortunately, 20-something years later, he's still doing it. I would never wear a robe probably anywhere, much less uh, in a bar uh, at the Open Championship. But uh, Cook was in his element. Uh, he was bartending. Uh, he was right in the mix. I was down there. I was I was taking lots of pictures. There were a lot of fans down there, uh, you know, a lot of Americans. And so I was I was in the mix doing my part, you know, uh, socializing. But I was I was dressed in golf clothes like most normal people. Back to Ben Weprin. You know, one under, you know, the bar on the road or on the on the road. I went down there one night with, I was, I don't know, Eli and I don't who else. I think it was just Eli. And we walked down there and Cup is behind the bar and bartending. No one's surprised. We were just like, yep. Take a tenant, two tenants. Over to Eli for his thoughts. <laughs> Coach Rove is just, I mean, uh, it's, let's say, let's say this. It's not the first time I've seen Coop go into a public setting in a robe. So I'm not shocked by it, you know, uh, kind of come to expect it. Just when, when's it coming? The, the, the best is, the best is I'm, I'm sitting there with, you know, Wepper and, you know, a guy, you know, when the GM, old Seamus, I think kind of co- comes up and it's like, Hey, we, we have, we have an issue. We have a major issue. What's that? He's like, Peyton Manning is in a robe down at one under and he's handing out free beers to everybody. He's handing out free beers to everybody. I'm like, I was like, I don't think that's Peyton. That's, that's definitely not Peyton. And I think, you know, I think you'll be okay. It's, it's definitely, that's definitely Coop's move. He likes to get behind bar and just, uh, he doesn't know how to make any drinks and he doesn't know how to take any money. Maybe some tips, but, you know, just, you know, handing out beers. Anybody wants one. Yeah, I guess Peyton says he's been pre- pretending to be Peyton, you know, his whole life. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did it at Tennessee. He did it, you know, did it to be at, at Ole Miss. Just got out, out on a Friday night before a game and, you know, smoking a cigarette, drinking a scotch. And people are like, Eli, what are you, you know, what are you doing? And Coop's ah, oh, we just got Kentucky tomorrow. No, no big deal. You know, so, you know. Uh, he, I was like, eventually, I'm like, hey, you got to calm down on this. It's it's funny for a little bit. I think eventually I'm going to get in trouble. Coaches think I'm, I'm out in the town on a Friday night. We do an interview with the winner of, of each major. So I had to go, as the as the Brits say, get in the queue for uh, for Cam Smith over there near the first tee on the practice putting green. And I, my phone was blowing up saying, you're, you're missing uh, Cooper pouring drinks in his robe 
uh, at the down, what is it? The down under bar. One under, yeah. The one under bar, yeah. Um, and so I hate that I missed that. We 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 tried to hustle back after the interview to see it, but we, we had missed it. At that point, he was playing drinking games, I believe. Um, we, we missed his turn as, as the bartender, but uh, that does not surprise me. Coop is the life of the party. My group left me. I, I, I hung on there, played a game called uh, S&P with a bunch of people, a bunch of uh, – you know, Scotland guys, Americans, Europeans, where you go round and around and you got to think of a word that start that doesn't, you can't say a word that starts with S and P, but it's got to be related to the next word. So in other words, this guy starts off, he goes, uh, donkey. And I say, if I say Dorito, I got a drink. But if I say, you know, horse, I'm good. And you keep going. But if you say a word, Word and somehow it's out when you're sober, it sounds like one of the easiest games in the world. But if you say a word that starts with S and P, you have to drink. People could not quit saying words that started with S and P. They would say pony, you're like moron, drink. You know, it was like, and so I'm in a robe down there doing this. People believe, like, who the hell is this guy? Does he think the spot, you take a wrong turn in the spa and wound up in the bar? What the hell's going on? But that was a blast. It was a total pivot. I had to do a little, I was tired of my group at that point. I was laughing out loud to myself for like an hour and a half yesterday because I was down the rabbit hole on Cooper wearing a robe, going down to, going down to one under, <laughs> and pouring pints, playing drinking games with the locals. Yeah, yeah. And he brought back he brought back a great drinking game. I think everybody's everybody's used it since. <laughs> the S and P, right? S and P. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so funny. So funny. They, they went to, um, they go to this fair every year um, down in Mississippi. And I think he brought it down there too. So it's already, it's spreading. <laughs> he, he sent me, he sent me pictures of like his, yeah, he's brought it to his family. To get, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's uh he's he's a character isn't he oh my god i had no idea oh yeah i'm unbelievable talent (laughs) so this is where the trip takes a turn they're leaving the home of golf and now they start the part of the trip that is golf centric but before they leave saint andrews and before we segue to part two of this podcast a final thought from weprin my thought the whole time we were doing this this is the home of golf we want this to be the living room that was it where everybody comes and they gather and they tell stories and they have a beer and they you know talk about history and meaning and like purpose and that was it this was you know you said like my dream when we concepted this and whatever was like this is going to be the epicenter of the open and it came true like this was all manifested through all of these things and i think the idea where like this felt great and good and connected, everybody cared. It was the headspace everybody was in. They were so grateful. They were so glad. They were so appreciative to be there celebrating this monumental occasion in this backdrop, which was really special. And I think, you know, what we try to do is, you know, you talk about, you know, something that felt good to you. It feels good to us too, right? I mean, it's like, you know, Eric doesn't write or make a song, you know, what he thinks people want to hear. He does something that feels true and real to him. It's the same idea you know, in our business is we build stuff that we really connect to and hoping that it connects to the broader market. And, it, you know, like you saying that in the seven set, like, that's why we do, you know, what we do. And, 
you know, and the culture, the human, you know, the general manager and Mark and everybody and Philip, like they just, you know, they all bought in, right? This was a shared mission to bring these, any of these hotels, you know, Skinner, our investors, everybody, this was a shared, you know, idea that is now, you know, living out in real life. And to see an idea from, you know, to execution to fruition is super uh, meaningful to all of us, everybody involved. And you're right, by the way, CBS, ESPN, ABC, it didn't matter. Rory, Justin Thomas, George Spieth, like, I was just, holy shit, I can't, I mean, you couldn't write this, dude. I mean, you can't, it's, you couldn't write the script and here we are. And like, I swear I thought Rory was going to, you know, hit his drive on 18 and make it. Like, I thought I was going to go in because like, that's how all of these things, dude, I'm sitting here like, is this real? I'm sitting here on the balcony of 116 with my best friend and this, like, I'm just, you know, so blown away and, you know, and grateful. At this point, Mark Eubanks goes off the clock at Rusix and he joins the golf component of the trip. Hasberger is headed home. His final thoughts. Like I said, I left Monday morning and they, they carried on for another couple of days. And um, at the end of dinner, that Sunday night, it's exactly what I said. Just thanks for having me. You know, this is, and that, that meant like on all of it, right? Like seven years ago, Ben, when you decided that it might be cool for us to partner together, you know, thanks for having me, you know, Peyton and Eli, some kid that you kind of know, you know, thanks for having me, Eric. Like, let's like, it's just, it's, it's just the appreciate that's, I think that's the coolest part of the whole thing is everyone was having an amazing time and it was fun. It was, everyone was so appreciative, you know, and not, not necessarily appreciative of, of, you know, yes, the hospitality and the access and all those things, but just, of being able to be a part of the whole thing, you know, and it, 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 it's all one, it, the, the package together is just something that you never, you never put together again. In part two of this Manning Brothers Ultimate Buddies Trip podcast, they play over the stone walls of North Berwick. Only a few of them go for it at Gullen. They have the perfect Muirfield day, which is to say they wash down that famous lunch with an infamous drink and they busted up to Royal County Down, which is where, at the base of the Mountains of Morn, Eric Church gets inspired to write a song. He's currently recording a bit of that song that I'll be able to end the whole podcast with Church's version of a song that he wrote about this trip. Oh, you know, he could do that. His mind, he's genius. And Eric starts starts getting an idea, and I mean, it just, it, the dots get connected really quickly. Another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.